From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. Hot Takes Edition after the Florida State Spring Game. Lots to talk about here. I'm going to break it down pretty quickly. This is going to be a pretty quick episode. There's going to be a lot of things to go through from this spring game. Uh, I want to watch this multiple times, although I've, I've watched every play, or very nearly every play, two to three times already. Uh, the beauty of watching uh, with a uh, DVR situation where I can go back and rewatch each play that they show uh, multiple times until I'm satisfied that I've gotten what I need out of that play. So taking a good look at things already, but uh, still want to go back and spend some hours with this. And, and uh, some of that will be done on the Patreon channel. Uh, so lots to go through down the line, but going to go through some basically the good, the bad, and the ugly from this one up front, just hot takes, immediate reactions to what we saw in this, uh, in this spring game. And before I start, I should emphasize that this was a spring game. This is not the state of Florida state football in terms of what they're going to look like in the fall. You, you have to take all things spring game with a grain of salt. Uh, that said, that that's not to say that you can't get anything out of a spring game. There's still a lot of things that you can that you can measure, that you can draw some conclusions from when you actually see what's going on in the spring game. You can get a sense of where some significant weaknesses lie, or you can get a sense of whether or not certain areas have taken a step forward, or whether fundamentals have been addressed in certain areas. Those are things that that you can see. You can see level of competitiveness across the board. A lot of things you can see. What you can't do is is say, well, you know, the offensive line couldn't block them, so you know, obviously the offensive line's terrible. Well, there's a few few issues with that. One is, as you know, Coach Bowden used to say, you can't always tell if it's that your offensive line is so great or is so bad because they can't block them, or because your defensive line is so great that nobody's going to be able to block them. So that's the thing. That's one of those things. Anytime you're 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 grading a spring game, it's hard because you're grading against yourself. And is it? Is it that your corners are just that good, or can your receivers just not get open against anybody? I mean, this is one of those things that we've run into the last few years. Uh, once you have a high level of of talent at one position, then you can start to gate, and you know that, and that's a known quantity. Then you can start to really measure other positions by that. You know, the, the position that goes against them. But we're we're not quite to that spot, uh, that space uh, across the board at Florida State, so that we we can't measure quite as easily because there's still some question marks there, though there are more solid areas, known solid areas than there have been in in recent years. So with that said, we're just going to go ahead and get to the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'll start with the good. And the good is brought to you by Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. He's the best in the business in the greater Jacksonville area. If you have any real estate needs, and now's a good time to, to take care of those before interest rates go up or anything like that, this is a great time to be selling and also a great time to uh, to lock in your rates and all of that. So if you need any of that stuff, give Lewis a call. He's the best in the business in the greater J- Jacksonville area. Tell him you heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. So as far as the good stuff, I mean, the number one takeaway here is, I mean, the most obvious takeaway to me is Trey Benson is a straight up dude. I believe uh, seven carries for 77 yards. So, you know, a healthy 11 yards a carry against a defense that, I mean, look, if there's one thing we know about about Florida State coming in into this game is that defensively, they they should be pretty good against the run next year. I mean, they, they were pretty good against the run 
last year and return most of those pieces to be able to do that. And he tell you what, the burst on that guy is, uh, is outstanding. I mean, you're talking about a guy that if he looks like that all season, he's an upgrade on Corbin, who I really liked last year. I mean, he was a workhorse last year, but if, if Benson looks like that all, all fall, then you're looking, you're looking at a guy who might be a one and done at the running back position. I mean, you talk about an elite kind of burst at that size and the ability to run through some tackles. Uh, really exciting to see him play. As I said on the pro- uh, previous podcast, coming into the game, I might have been, and coming into the spring, I might have been the most bullish on his potential of anybody covering FSU. I mean, I, I really liked that take. I said so on this podcast, but he looked better than I expected. <laughs> That's your running back one going into next year. Uh, I mean, you, you kind of 1A and 1B with Treshawn Ward. And yeah, you know, I, I know they like Toa Feely and, and Toa Feely's going to get some carries, but Benson is a guy you've got to feed the football next year in, in order to really maximize what you want to do as an offense and as a football team. I mean, especially as he gets further and further out from any concerns about that knee and gets stronger over the summer and all of that, you're looking at a guy that you want it. You want that guy to touch the football 15 plus times a game in every game next year because he 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 is a difference maker at running back and so already coming out of the spring I feel like they're ahead of where they were last year on offense just because last year I didn't think coming out of the spring they had a single difference maker that you could count on now Corbin became pretty much a difference maker for them over the course of the year although not you know not not quite that kind of long speed but uh but made some really big plays for them at what the 90 yard run against Notre Dame. I mean, made some big plays for them. So he became the closest thing they had to a true difference maker on offense. But last year, I mean, coming out of spring, you're like, who's going to score for him? Who's going to make a difference? Well, this year, you know, they've got one guy, (laughs) you know, they've got one guy that you can feed and expect to, to turn a 10, 12, 15 yard run into a 60 yard run in a blink. And that, really really helps you as an offense so that that number one that's that's the great in terms of takeaways from this uh I think the other thing it, it sort of goes along with that and that's that the running game as a whole even without three guys in the offensive lines too deep that that didn't play two starters at, at guard didn't play in this game Washington and Gibbons Gibbons sat out just to protect him and then Washington had a minor surgery so he he should be back uh back you know to full training and such by uh by midsummer and then should be ready for camp although again you don't want him to be having those surgeries because that costs him the ability to put on some of the weight the armor that he needs to be able to carry forward next year so that he doesn't get dinged up during the season but I digress in any case even without those guys the running game against a defense that's actually pretty good against the run chewed those guys up at times and, you know, looked good in the running game. So uh, there were some places where in terms of pullers and things, guys weren't always getting on their mark and and some of that can still be cleaned up. But overall, uh, I felt like the running game looked like it is going to have Florida State in a position where they can contend next year uh, with a lot of better teams. They're going to be a, a tough out for everybody they play just because if you can run the football, you're a tough out. And I think this is going to be a team that's going to be able to run the football. They, they, this is going to be a team 
that, yeah, they're going to have some weaknesses. They're going to have limitations, but they're going to have a, an identity. And that identity is going to be built around those running backs and also a little bit around Travis's ability to, to run the football as a, uh, at the quarterback position. And that identity is going to be running the football against teams. And I think they're going to be good enough at the back at the running back position with Travis's legs as an additional threat and on the offensive line to be able to to run the football against almost anybody on their schedule to run it enough to to at least keep themselves in in football games and that that that's a that's a good sign so and again having an identity that you can build off of also a good sign so that that's that's a positive another uh another good thing uh out of this Micah Pittman uh despite getting banged up actually in the two in the two point drill uh, portion at the very beginning, uh, sort of dinged up his shoulder a little bit. Uh, actually, you know, I thought he, he was kind of what I expected him to be, but a good version of what I expected him to be. So, you know, not an elite guy. He's not going to be a number one wide receiver for you. He's not a guy that's going to get a ton of separation downfield and, and, you know, just be a one-on-one beast for you. But he's a tough SOB, and he looks like he's going to be productive. And you know, you need guys like him at wide receiver on your roster, uh, who can be a solid number two or number three type, who can do a lot of the tough stuff. The you know, he, the jet sweep that he took and then turned into a running back and then uh, bowled his way into the end zone. There was a good example of kind of what he brings to the table. He he becomes a core guy in terms of being able to make a difference on the edge in the screen game and some of the short stuff. And, and he's shown the ability in practice to make contested catches. So, I mean, I don't think he's, he's a guy that's going to get a bunch of separation for you, but I think he's a valuable addition uh, in terms of what he brings to the table for you at wide receiver. So that's another positive. Uh, another major positive, Jared verse. I, I, I know everybody was watching him. I, I said in the preview, I w- he's a guy I would be spending a lot of time watching in this game. And, you know, he showed me enough to to say that that spot is not going to be a weakness in the fall. That you know, you're not going to full, you're not going to replace all of the quality and the production that you got from from Johnson last year. I mean, that's that's silly. I mean, the guy is going to be a top fifteen pick in the NFL draft and just played lights out last year. One of the best, you know, true All American level player. But you know, you're not going to get that right. But what you're trying to do is just to make sure that you're not, you don't have a huge drop off at that position to where it becomes a weakness. And I saw enough from Verse to say, okay, yeah, that position's not going to be a weakness. That's still going to be a strength of your team. Is it going to be as much of a strength? Well, no. I mean, you're you're not going to replace that All American and and be and just you know carry on. But it's going to be a strength. That's a strength of the defense with Verse on the field. Uh, he's a guy that he. What I what I actually was was watching most of all was I wanted to see his hands and see how he would handle block shedding blocks and handling his gap responsibility in the running game. And I was pleased by what I saw. He's still raw, still learning there, but he's got heavy hands and he understands leverage to the point where he's able to really rock some some offensive linemen, some tackles back. I also saw at the end of that that they put him inside at one point in a pass rush package, and he just ran right by the uh, the guard. Guard hardly got a, a hand on him, and I think they're going to be able to do that sort of thing with him this year. Uh, a real weapon 
on that on that defensive front. And when you've got Lovett and Cooper already, and then you toss him in at one end, you've got three guys that are now a strength on your defense. And again, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to establish strengths where you can't just get taken advantage of, where you don't have weaknesses on, on defense. Because one weakness, teams will just pick on that. You get two or three, and all of a sudden you've got a you've got a defense that's a sieve. Well, this is a guy that is not going to be a, a weakness. He's going to be a strength. Uh, and then, honestly, I felt like the other edge also should be fine. I mean, I thought McClendon looked viable uh, at the at the weight that he's at. It looked quick off the ball. Still, you know, he's not a he's not going to be a, a first team All ACC guy, but a guy that you can that you can put in there and get a lot of reps from and get some quality production from in, in the rotation. Uh, and frankly, I, I thought Leonard Warner actually looked better than I, I mean, again, I thought coming in, he'd be a viable guy to, to play and, and steal some snaps and steal enough reps to really keep your, your front guys uh, uh, healthy and, and, and fresher. But he actually looked good at times, uh, looked decent pretty much the whole way. And, looked like a you know pretty quality body at that fox role so you take those two guys and then you add Briggs who didn't play in this one to that mix and honestly i think that that defensive front should be pretty good i mean i think overall de- that that defensive front the the front six that they've got should be excellent next year i mean you're talking about probably top 4 defensive front six in the ACC that's including the linebackers. I mean, Bethune sat out of this one, which tells you what they think of him. I mean, he's he's the best backer on the team, and and they looked okay at backer in this one. Uh, we already know again. We know what they have at backer without Bethune because those guys all played last year, and they were fine. They were, you know, they weren't terrible in the second half of last year. So you're looking at average to better at linebacker, well above average at defensive tackle, and then. You've got some quality pieces on the edge, and then you add Bethune there. I think they're going to be pretty good. I mean, top four or so group in the front six in the ACC next year. I mean, that's that's going to be a group that again is going to be a tough out, and they're going to give some some uh, some offenses and offensive fronts real problems next year. And I think they're going to be hard to run on, and they're going to be able to get some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I'd like to have seen a little bit more from the backup defensive tackles. I mean, I think. There's still a little bit more. Uh, I'd like to see a little more quality there, but they're they 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 do seem to basically be at least what they were last year. We'll see how that goes. I mean, I I I would really like to see a fifth guy step up and maybe uh, contend for some reps in that top four rotation that I, that I feel more comfortable with. But overall, I think Florida State's defensive front I would put in the good category here in terms of what I saw. And you know how comfortable I feel about that unit going into the fall, and then the safeties, the safeties coming in, we knew you know expect a high level with the guys that they have back, and I felt in this game that the safety play was excellent. I mean, you could see what they did in terms of the the uh, single coverage situations at times in uh, coming up in, in run support. They did they did a really good job overall. And I feel like, again, those safeties have taken the next next step forward, and there's some good depth there, which, again, is is critical to having a quality defense overall. So you start going down the list, and you say, okay, well, you know, you feel good about your defensive tackles. You feel pretty good about your edge. You feel okay about your linebackers, and you feel good about your safeties. Well, that's all your units but one. So 
I mean, I think the takeaway here is that if the corners are even above average, this is going to be a really good defense this year. And if the corners are good, I mean, if they actually are, if they can find two legitimate, legitimately good above average corners out of this unit that are, that are not going to get beat deep. Like they got at different points last year. I think they're in position to be, to have a top 15 defense or so. I mean, crazy as that sounds given the last few years, I mean, they're really just a pair of corners that they feel real comfortable with that, that are not going to get torched away from being that kind of defense. Now I say, we don't really know there because it's kind of hard to tell how good the corners are at this stage because of the wide receivers that they're facing. I'm not sold that that they're tested enough by the group that we saw out there to really know that those guys are going to be a strength. That that I that we just can't know at this point. But it's possible that they would be. I mean, Cooper and Knowles played well in the, the second half of last year against some quality opponents. So you feel pretty good about them. Renardo Green has been good in the past. So to me, based on what I saw here and based on what I've seen from those other guys when they were, you know, in their first year from Cooper and Knowles, I think they're going to be good enough at corner to be, you know, top 25, top 20 defense. And, you know, the thing you know is that you've got some young talent in McCall who had an interception and then Thomas, uh, Azaria Thomas, and some of these other guys who looked apart and could, if there's not, a, not enough quality at that, at that corner position, who could come in and, and take one of those jobs and become, become that good corner that makes the difference for that team. So, you know, I feel pretty comfortable that defensively, there's going to be a good football team next year. Again, they, they can't afford to lose one of those defensive tackles. They can't afford to lose Jared Verse. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, you know, if they go down for the season, it changes the complexion of a lot of things because the depth still is not there program-wise to where they they would like it in terms of sustaining long-term injuries and all of that. And some of that's inevitable in this game. But given what they've got out there, you feel pretty good about where they're at. So, you know, if you can add another really top shelf edge in the portal or a top shelf corner in the portal, I think you'd do it. But I think you feel pretty good about your defense coming out of the spring. Now, the bad and the bad brought to you by Shenandoah Newsma of Shenandoah Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You can find her at ShenRealEstate.com. Tell her you heard about her from the Unconquered podcast and you heard how she'll prevent you from ending up with a bad home purchase or a bad listing if you are selling your home in the greater Research Triangle area of North Carolina. Tell her you heard about her once again from the Unconquered podcast. Best in the business up here. So the bad here, my feeling coming into this was that one of the things I was curious about, I wanted to see whether or not I felt like they had enough on the, on the roster to sort of squeak through the year with what they've got at quarterback. You know, do I feel comfortable enough with Rodemaker and uh, and Duffy as the backups to Travis, given that Travis has has not made it through a full season without getting dinged up to this stage? Would I feel comfortable with that? And my answer after this is no. I, I think they really need to kick the tires on some possibilities that are going to inevitably hit the, the transfer portal after the spring. 
and if they can find someone who fits the the situation, then I think they need to they they need to add, make an addition. They need to add a quarterback in the transfer portal to feel comfortable going into 2022. Because I think based on what I saw, I think this is an eight-win football team if Travis stays healthy all season. That's sort of where I'd stick it. If Travis goes down, depending on when he goes down, I mean, this team could be a four-win team. So, you know, you don't want that level of delta given, you know, the potential of one injury to a guy who's frankly gotten dinged up in the past to be what your, you know, sort of coaching life depends on. So if I'm Mike Norvell and I'm that coaching staff, I'm I'm hoping that one of the guys that, you know, there's been some smoke about a few guys potentially hitting the portal after the spring. You're hoping that one of those guys hits the portal and and you know, you you hit those guys up hard to be a backup with the chance to contend for the job next year uh going into the fall. And that's that's what you're hoping for. You know, you 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 get a transfer quarterback before the spring, and that can be a little bit trickier because those guys that are transferring before the spring, a lot of those guys are transferring expecting to win the job. And I think at this point, this is Travis Jordan Travis's team. What they what they really need is a guy that is good enough to basically be replacement level for Travis, but is willing to come in and be a backup. And that's a hard balance to hit. We'll see if they're able to find one of those in the transfer portal in the, in the uh, post spring period, but they really need it. Now, I mean, I will say with two starters out and three of the two deep being out in the offensive line. I I think that did significantly impact the quarterback play in this game. Uh, I think Travis would have looked significantly more comfortable with his two starting guards in front of him, but still, I mean, can you count on him having the, the starting five offensive linemen all year next year? No, you cannot. Now he's going to have more opportunities to use his legs to, to win games in, in the fall, but you also that also opens things up to injury and all of that. So I think you you have to feel more comfortable going out and getting another guy to add to the mix as a as another option for this year and a guy that can contend for for things next year. Now I did like what I saw from Duffy. I did feel like Rotomaker made some progress, but Again, it's just a matter I would I think you generally want to have four quarterbacks on your roster and if you don't have four on your roster you'd better really feel great about all three you've got and I think right now there's just enough question marks there that I'd want a fourth guy. I'd want a fourth body to make sure that I felt comfortable going into the season. Felt more comfortable going into the season. So, uh beyond that in terms of the bad, I th- I think the interior offensive line depth still not what it needs to be. Uh, I think Herring and Estes got kind of thrown around at times and and didn't look quite ready uh, at this stage. Uh, It's one of those things where I think you've got to be hoping if you are, um, if you're Mike Norvell, you're hoping that uh, Schrader in particular gets healthy and really recomposes his body to get closer to what you're, you expect him to be going into the fall. Because if he becomes a, a a viable option as a swing option at, at as a backup guard, I think you feel pretty comfortable. I also think that Julian Armella coming in as a freshman 
I think you've got to hope that he can come in and be a good swing backup on the inside next year. I think long term, I'd really like to see him at right tackle given his body. But next year, I think he may be needed as a swing option kind of across the offensive line. He gives you a quality body. Can he come in and and help you there? Uh, Charlton, the freshman, that is a big dude, and he's not going to get pushed around. And, you know, if he can take some steps forward in terms of conditioning and, and just recomposing his body in the, in the, uh, in the summer, that's a guy that might be able to help you. But again, it's really early. And I think that's just too much of an ask at this stage. So, you know, if, if, if there really is a can't miss guard that, that, uh, that hits the portal, you have to at least inquire. Uh, one thing that, again, I think you've got to feel better about going into next year on that front than what you're looking at in this kind of game is if it comes down to it, and let's say you lose a guard for a couple games or the season, you're you're not bound to the same rotations and the same depth chart that you had for this game when you get to the fall. Because when you get into those games, now you're playing best five. And so in this game, you had Lyles and Smith both at center. I thought Lyles looked fine. I do expect him ultimately to take over and start at the center position. You'll notice that all the transfers ended the spring with the twos except for Verse. I think that's a positive. They're making those guys earn their spots. Those guys are going to have to earn their spots in the fall, and the guys currently on the roster are not going to feel like those spots were just awarded. But I think those guys are going to win those spots for the most part. So you look at Lyles, I think he winds up as, as the one center, but then if you have an injury at one of the guards, I think you slide, maybe you slide him into one of the guards and then you have Maurice Smith at, at center, or maybe you slide Smith over to one of the guards and that becomes your best five. That's, that's the sort of option that you have once you get to the season that you don't do during a spring game. So they've got a little bit more depth than it looked like in this game because of some of the mixing and matching that you do once you get to the season to make sure you get your best guys on the field. So I think they probably feel like they've got about five offensive linemen right now that they're pretty comfortable with. So Robert Scott at left tackle, Dylan Gibbons at left guard, both Lyles and Smith at center, Washington at right guard or right tackle. And then basically they're looking for six, four, six, seven, eight, nine to be filled out. Lloyd Willis didn't play in this game. I think he's getting close to being a guy that they're at least reasonably comfortable with, that he's not going to get you killed if he plays. Uh, Bless Harris did not look bad in this game, but and, and looked like he's passable, like he's not going to hurt you, you know, if he's if he's playing. But again, he's a guy that ideally right now, where he is physically, where he is in terms of development, would be ideal in that kind of swing back up role, a guy that can come in and be a plug and play guy. If somebody goes down for a few series, that's, that's what you, where you kind of want him to be. And then to be a guy that in another year or so becomes a potential starter. So I think what I saw, if I were Florida state, I'd be looking very seriously at adding another offensive tackle in the transfer portal if possible, but it needs to be the right guy. It needs to be a guy that can come in and play. Now, Here's the thing. There's been some smoke 
all the way, going all the way back to December that there was a, a guy that Florida state had recruited very, very hard the first time around who wound up going to the university of Georgia. And there was some smoke out of Georgia in December that he might be looking around after the spring, you know, it would basically be a, you know, he's going to look at the, look at what happens in the spring. And then, you know, depending on how spring goes, he may be looking around and word from the 24 seven Georgia site earlier. What I think, I think it might've posted yesterday uh, was that Amarius Mims, the former five-star offensive tackle was not at practice. I think Thursday, and then also not at the scrimmage today. And the rumblings are that he is likely to enter the transfer portal. If that happens, I I think Florida State has as good a shot of landing him, especially given their track record and the relationship that Florida State built there and how hard they recruited him. And and again, Atkins being at, at, as the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator, I think Florida State would have as good a shot at landing Amarius Mims as anybody. And honestly, I would put I, I think I think Florida State would, would land him if he hits the, the transfer portal. If that happens, Mims very well could be a plug and play starter for Florida State at the right tackle position. And suddenly you go from and look, yeah, you say, well, you know, he's he's uh he's a backup at, at at Georgia, so you know, can't be quite that good. But again, that's Georgia. I will take backups from Georgia if they look anything like Jermaine Johnson. So, and again, you're looking at a former five-star who has had some good schooling and and good coaching at Georgia, at least up until this spring when they hired Stacey Searles, who I was not impressed by when he was at, uh, at, at North Carolina last year. Uh, I think that's a guy that, that just physically speaking walks in the door and he's your most talented offensive line offensive tackle prospect on your roster and could potentially take you over the top in terms of having all the pieces so that your best five is good. And you've got say three swing pieces you can play with that you feel comfortable with. And you got about eight guys that you're comfortable with going into the fall. So, you know, if you're a Florida state fan, that's what you got to hope happens. But right now, the offensive line is still not quite where they'd like it to be. I mean, again, the interior depth, they, they really feel like they're one guy short of being where they need to be. And then the right tackle position is still not fully shored up. Uh, and so I think that's the sort of thing that they need to address to get where they want to be in the fall. And finally, in terms of the bad, the wide receiver position. And, you know, this is one where, the hopes were with all the bodies that they threw at this position in the transfer portal that they would just look different even this early. And frankly, that, that wasn't the case. I mean, I think by and large, they looked a lot like the same wide receiver crew that they were last year with some improvement from taking a step forward, you know, year to year, uh, Port, uh, had a, uh, uh, a really nice back shoulder catch. You know, you had some, some nice moments here and there, but again, this is, this is not a wide receiver crew that, that screamed difference maker at any spot. I mean, do span is at least a year away to my eye. Uh, and you know, that's that, those are the reports even before he was signed. I mean, I, I felt like the transfer signing there was about 
a year from now or two years from now, not about 2022 as much because you're looking at a guy that has all of the tools to be, you know, the kind of first round kind of receiver talent, but he's got to learn how to play the position and he's just miles away. Uh, Pittman is more of a Swiss army knife and gadget player than a uh, major, you know, separation creator and downfield threat. He's not going to run away from you. I mean, he's a four, six guy. Uh, I think the, the 40 numbers that, that uh, the mid to high four, six numbers that he put up uh, before, I think those basically hold up uh, in terms of field speed. Uh, But he's a good piece to have in your offense and a guy that I think has really good hands. He's going to be reliable. He's going to make contested catches and I think he's a good weapon in the screen game and, you know, jet sweep game and all sorts of things and can can become a good player for you, if not a over-the-top difference maker. Uh, Johnny Wilson is a guy I, I still am bullish on, even, even after the two drops that we saw from him today, which has been a trend all, all spring. Uh, what, I, what I liked is I saw that he got separation. You know, he, he was able to get separation. He was able to actually be in position to make those plays. And he sure looks the part. But, you know, basically this offseason has to be with him in the boxing gym, hitting the speed bag. He's got to work on juggling. He's got to catch tennis balls. He's got to, sp- he's got to dribble tennis balls. He's got to play basketball. He's got to spend hours with the jugs machine all offseason. I mean, he's just got to find a way to get more consistent in terms of catching the football to be a difference maker because right now it's feast or famine. He either makes a difference in the positive side by just being uncoverable due to the size or he drops the football and is a difference maker for the wrong reason. If he can just catch the football consistently, I think you've got one of the problems solved there because you have a difference maker there. And I I think it's pretty clear that they need Winston Wright to heal up quickly from that broken leg and to be a dude in the fall, they need him to be a bell cow wide receiver, wide receiver. They need him to be at least the number two, but ideally, you know, he or Wilson have to be the number one for this, this group to take a step forward in the passing game. But I, I think this is, this was a little bit of a uh, reality check in terms of what they have on the roster at the receiver position still. So there's the good thing is that there's potential there. There are some guys that you look at and you go, well, you know, he could become a bit of a difference maker. I mean, Wright could be a difference maker in certain cases. Johnny Wilson could be a difference maker, but you didn't come out of this feeling like you have a difference maker for sure. And that's what you'd hope for. Now, as far as the ugly, uh, first of all, those two point drills were offensively yikes. Um, Three interceptions, one from each of the quarterbacks, and they were of the ugly variety. Yikes. That is a rough way to start things. Uh, I felt like the tight ends were not great and ugly at times. I mean, drop after drop, uh, none of the tight ends created a whole lot of space, which I think speaks to some improvement at the linebacker position in terms of, of coverage to some degree. Also some really good coverage from safety from the safety spot and also just not having a difference maker at, at tight end. And they really want to have a difference maker at tight end. They've signed all these guys at tight end so that they could play tight ends and have difference makers. And they don't have those right now. That tight end room is, is, it's got a long way to go. And finally, 
The ugliest thing was the broadcast itself. Yikes, my goodness. I mean, it's hard to tell things from a spring game in general. Again, it's you're 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 going against yourself, so when one when one side or one position looks really good, is that because of, you know, you're bad at the other or what as we discussed earlier, it's hard to tell anything from a spring game. But man, that terrible broadcast made it even harder because you, you we didn't even see half of it. I mean, it's one of those things. It's 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 seriously one of those like you had one job, and that's just to show the game. You had one job, just show the plays on the field. That's what people tune in for, and they didn't do that. I mean, look, if I wanted to watch EJ Manuel talk, I could just tune in on the ACC network on on a regular basis and watch a studio show. If I wanted to listen to Bryant McFadden, he's got a podcast. A really good one, by the way. If I wanted to listen to, you know, Peter Bulware, I mean, it's great to hear them all, but I, do they have to be on my screen while they're actually playing the game? I want to see the plays. I mean, you don't have to actually show the interview. I, I don't I don't need to see the guys. I don't need to see these alumni. I don't need to see who's talking. I just need to hear the voice. If they, If you want to do that, that's fine. Just show me the game. And don't zoom in on like one position at the wide receiver or corner matchup while they're running the football in the middle of the field either. Hey, my goodness. I mean, you had one job to do, guys. And the worst part about it is, you know, as much as we might laugh and blame the ACC network, it's Florida State's fault because the ACC network contracts with the schools for this stuff. I mean, I watched the UNC spring game. I watched Boston College. I, I, the Clemson game was on ACC network. Uh, the NC State game Im- immediately followed the Florida State game, and none of those looked like this. They all looked perfectly professional. But Florida State's was just absolute amateur hour. And that's just inexcusable. I mean, you've got a school with a really good film program. You've got a, a, a good production studio. You've got a lot of things there. And it was just total amateur hour. Like I said, you got one job to do. Just show the game. Show show the players who've been out there for 13 practices before this one so that people can have a sense of what they're looking at. That's why you tune in. Nobody wants to see all that other stuff. Don't show highlight packages while they're actually running another series. I mean, you'd think that these are just like the most obvious things, but like when people tune in to a football broadcast, you should like, I don't know, show the football. You'd think that would go without saying, but apparently not. And my goodness, if anybody is connected on the Florida State decision-making stuff, that's got to change for next year. That's just unacceptable. So that's the ugly. That's the ugliest part. We'll go ahead and wrap there on an ugly note, but my goodness. Like I said earlier, actually, I'm going to make it slightly positive going going out. I did I did feel like that this team, as you're looking position by position, Overall, compared to what we saw last year in the spring game, I think this team is ahead of where last year's team was by a decent amount. There's still some things, some places where they can be better. There's still some question marks, but I do think that this team is taking, is building and they've got some things to address and, you know, a couple more things to shore up. But like I said, I I feel like this, based on what I saw, I think that this team with a healthy Jordan Travis, somebody who's able to stay on the field all season, 
if Travis is able to play all 12 games, I think this is probably an eight-win football team. If he misses time, all bets are off on that, and you kind of have to bank on him missing time. So I'd probably set the, the number at seven for this year based on what I saw, but that at least represents a decent step forward, and we'll go ahead and wrap on that. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.